right, everybody, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night as I am recording this, following a power outage, following uh, what I, I wasn't expecting to be able to record an episode tonight. Had a couple of other plans, but ultimately decided, hey, let us do... A different podcast. Let us do a, a Nuggets focused podcast and talk about some of the other teams uh, next week. There's going to be plenty of time. We'll have plenty of time to talk with different folks. So let us talk about the Nuggets. And there hasn't been a ton of new things that have come out. Uh, it looks like the Nuggets are back in town. Lots of videos and photos released by the official Nuggets account that is showing players like Nikola Jokic. Monte Morris, Bones Highland, Marcus Howard, Vlako Chanchar, uh, PJ Dozier, a lot of folks, and Zeke Naji is also there too. A lot of folks back in town. I'm sure there are probably more. I'm sure that Jamichael Green's been around too. So everybody seems to be getting back into the swing of things, getting back and connected with the team. And you like to see that. You like to see these guys who do this for their job love to be around each other. This team, they've always had great chemistry, and it's not always like that with other folks and with other teams. So it is important that this group develops that chemistry, that they stay together throughout the year. They're going to be operating at a disadvantage immediately without Jamal Murray in town or on on the floor. So that is going to be something to monitor for this Nuggets team for a while. And I am curious to see who gets back in town, who's running things with the uh, in the open runs, how certain players are looking, and just what we can expect from this Nuggets group going forward. So it should be fun. This podcast, though, is going to be it's going to be a shorter one. It's a Friday. We're going to have a lot of fun with it, which is why I'm going to talk about the ten biggest fears of the 2021-22 Denver Nuggets. And those things are definitely juxtaposed. Uh, truth is, I've talked a lot about this Nuggets team, and we, we've covered a lot of ground. And there's not a ton left to talk about heading into the season. And so I don't want to cover old ground. I don't want to talk about things that I haven't really spoke about before. Instead, I just want to talk about the team. Talk about where some of the pitfalls are. I'm usually a positive guy, uh, despite being kind of a numbers-based person who tries to develop some objectivity. My goal is to bring about positivity, is to bring about a good sense of fandom and to appreciate what's happening rather than uh, bemoan too too many things. Uh, There are times where I become negative. There are times where anybody could do so. But rather than focus on the negative, let us talk about, for just one podcast, uh, some of the pitfalls, some of the things that the Nuggets could potentially fall into. And we're going to see how it goes. We're going to go over this for this particular episode. Then we don't have to talk about them again. We can continue to be positive as the players fall back into a good routine and we can see some of the improvements and some of the great things that the Nuggets are up to over the course of these next couple months. But for now, let's get into it. We're going to do two segments today, five and five. The first one, and these are going to be kind of the big the big ones. Uh, these are your deal breakers. These are if these things happen, Denver can't win a title this year. 
And some of these are going to be obvious. Some of these are going to be understandable. And I don't think I'm going to get a lot of argument from anybody who listens to this podcast and definitely rates five stars. These are the things that Nuggets fans are just praying don't happen because if they do, they're they're sunk. The first, Jamal Murray doesn't return to full strength or while he's trying to return, he has a setback or he just isn't the same level of player that he was prior to the injury. This would be a painful one for the Nuggets for a, just a number of reasons, but more than anything, this Denver team, they looked like they could win a title prior to Jamal Murray going down. And when he when he went out, a lot of things changed. The team looked very good in the regular season, but they clearly had some holes in the playoffs. And when you don't have your entire supporting cast, or not supporting cast, but when you don't have your star base that your team is built around, it's really hard to win games. And Denver, they were lucky to get out of the first round because they just had such talented pieces with Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., and the like. But if Denver, a really talented team, if they don't get back Jamal Murray, they will just be a talented team without him. But they aren't going to ever be a lethal team. That's what Jamal does, is he turns this group from a team that's purely reliant on Jokic and possibly Porter for their offense. He gives them an out. He gives them another opportunity to become the best that they could be. And that is the reason why, when you look to various playoff series and and why Denver has succeeded in the past, when Jamal Murray goes, so does this Nuggets group. When he's on, things get better. Things get easier. So that's something to think about. If he doesn't get back to full strength, then I think it's just going to be very difficult for this team to ever get to where they need to go. Michael Porter could change that, but I I really really doubt that given the climate in the NBA this year, how important it is to just have all hands on deck. If you don't get your second, or perhaps if Michael Porter just continues to grow your third most important player, then that's going to be tough. Number two, Michael Porter Jr. stagnates under immense pressure. And I think this is a reasonable thing, given that He is just going into his third season, and in the first two, he's been very much interrupted in his development. It hasn't been perfect. It hasn't been a great situation for him to just continue to grow and continue to learn and to check all of those boxes that you need to check in order to become a star player. Now, that could be more of an excuse than anything. It could be a reason why, oh, man. Porter isn't good at defense, but hey, it's only because he played about 650 minutes before the bubble, and then it was his first year starting last year. Like, there's there's no reason to rush him into all of this immense pressure. Well, the truth is, is that Denver, they need him, especially without Murray. This is the guy. This is the elevator piece that needs to come into focus for this Nuggets team if they are going to go where this team believes that they can go, especially during the regular season. During the playoffs, it's a different story because if you get back Jamal, then you can figure it out, even if Porter is just a great third option as opposed to a great second option. But the talent of Michael Porter, 
says that he could probably average 25, 26 points per game on high efficiency if he doesn't stagnate, if he doesn't fall victim to the pressure and what it means to be a star player for this group. I'm not saying that it will happen. I'm saying that it's a possibility and it's something that Nuggets fans should probably account for, that if he isn't immediately a most improved player candidate, then there's at least a lot of possibility that Denver, it's not it's just not going to be their year this year. Jamal Murray experienced similar expectations in the 2018-19 season and then the 19-20 season. And rather than making this big leap, rather than making the leap, the jump into stardom, Murray was still up and down. He still had a lot of times where People just considered him the same old player, where he was putting up similar numbers, and despite the fact that he was making little incremental improvements here or there, people expected more. If the same were to happen to Porter, where instead of averaging the the dreamed of 25 points per game, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, if he just averaged 27 and 2, that's a small improvement but it may not be the improvement that the Nuggets need in order to make up for the loss of Murray entirely. So, if that's the case, then it's just another thing that the Nuggets are going to have to think about, in my opinion. Number three, if Nikola Jokic misses any extended time, any at all, one of the great things about Jokic, knock on wood, let me me do it here so you guys can hear, one of the great things about him, His durability is unmatched, but shit sometimes happens. He could step on somebody's foot. He could fall awkwardly. He could just have somebody run into him and break a finger or something like that. This thing, this, these things happen. Like they happen to Michael Jordan. They happen to LeBron James. If it happened to Nikola Jokic, despite the fact that he is Uh, in great shape and has been as durable as many stars come so far in his career, then down go Denver's title hopes. They ride with Jokic. It's as simple as that. This isn't something that I think I have to really explain. But what I will say is that if he does miss extended time, especially kind of leading up to the playoffs, uh, there are going to be losses. Denver's going to have to fight and claw tooth and nail in order to just stay above water. And maybe Porter can carry them for a couple weeks here or there. But if Jokic were to, let's say, I I, I don't want to put this into the ether. So let's just say he missed six weeks with some unnamed injury. Then could Denver go 500 during that time? Would they be going way below 500? Could they maintain a positive record? If they were able to do that, then they'd be fine. But that is just a lot of pressure to put on a young player, especially if this coincides with time where Murray isn't there. It's a lot of things to think about. Number four, Aaron Gordon. If his three-pointer doesn't bounce back, then things are going to get a little bit awkward. During his career, Aaron Gordon hasn't been much of a three-point shooter. He's 32%, 32.1. Last year, he shot 33.5%, but 
With Orlando during that first stretch, he was at 37 and a half. He was doing pretty well. He was in a comfortable rhythm, despite the fact that he was in a really bad offense that didn't really have a point guard. He still figured it out, and he was comfortable enough that he could hit both off-the-dribble shots and spot-up shots when they came to him. In Denver, that dropped off the face of the planet, 26.6%. And it wasn't much better in the playoffs. He was better against Portland, but he didn't make a three against the Phoenix Suns, and that was one of the reasons why Denver faltered. If he makes his threes, then perhaps, I mean, that's that series wasn't ever going to be close, but Denver maybe picks up an extra game or two. Both of those percentages, by the way, the 37.5 with Orlando, the 26.6 with Denver, those were both 25-game samples. And you could say, look, he probably shouldn't have been shooting 37.5 with Orlando anyway because he was a career 32% guy. He was shooting above his head. Maybe. Maybe he's just hitting his prime. Maybe he's hitting that level of comfort where he understands his role and figures it out. But that 26.5 with Denver... If that is the representation that the Nuggets get for the rest of his time in Denver, it's going to be difficult to build an elite offense. It's not going to be impossible. Like, Nikola Jokic has worked with way worse, especially for Gordon, who is still an athletic six foot eight body who can move a lot better than Millsap can and finishes above the rim at the rim really well. But if Denver wants to go five out, they need five capable three-point shooters. And Gordon, if he's not that, if he's consistently the guy that's being left open and sort of limits what Denver can do with him on the perimeter and other players involved in various actions, then that's going to be difficult for Denver. It might be a deal breaker. It might mean that, hey, Denver may have to find another fourth option, fifth option, whatever. They brought in Gordon for his defense, for his versatility. But if he can't figure out the offensive end, then it's going to get awkward. And then number five, last one before we hit a break here. The defense moves in the wrong direction. This past season, they tied for 11th in the NBA in defensive rating at 111.5. Pretty good. Not bad. Just outside the top 10. Not an elite defense, but a competent one. A good one. 2019-20. The previous year, they were tied for 16th, but before the unhealthy bubble regular season where they were missing just a bunch of guys, or like starting bowl bowl, they were in a really bad spot. Um, They were 12th before that bubble stretch. So really the last two years, when at full strength or close to it, they were 12th and 11th. So just outside the top 10, not quite an elite defense, but a solid one. Now without Jamal Murray, who is an above-average defender, by the way, and if you if you want my thoughts on Jamal Murray, make sure to go listen to Locked on Nuggets, the most recent episode that I did with Matt Moore. Uh, he was great on that, and we, we were both just in our bag. Um, I believe that without Jamal Murray, things are going to get more difficult for Denver defensively. Jamal gives Denver a little bit of cushion as a 6-4 def- like. Not defensive-minded guard, but defensively capable guard. I believe that Monte Morris is a worse defender. 
I believe that Faku Campazo, despite being a pest and better on defense in other ways, is sort of limited in the kind of defense in the kind of defenders that he can take on, the offensive players that he can take on, excuse me. With Murray, what he was able to do for Denver was give them the option to switch. And that's what great regular season defenses need to do. They need to have the players capable to do that and hold up. Denver was able to make that work, and it helped really elevate their defensive profile. Now, if you take that away, if you are being forced to just sort of uh, go all offense, that could be a problem. And if Denver's defense, Michael Porter, if Aaron Gordon doesn't take a leap defensively, if Will Barton takes a step back, if Monte Morris, the downgrade from him from Murray to him is if that's noticeable, if Jokic still has to use all of his effort on the offensive end, then Denver's going to be in trouble. That would be a big deal. So if they move down to like 15th or 16th, as opposed to going up and, and kind of cracking that top 10, then they're not going to win a title. I'm sorry to say they don't, they're not the 2015, 16 Cavs where you can win a title without being top 10 defensively. At least I don't think. I don't think that they're that team. I don't think it's right to just hope for that. I think you have to try to build a defensive foundation in some way. And if they can't make it happen, it's going to be pretty awkward. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss 6 through 10 on this list. These will be the big annoyances throughout the year. We'll be right back. Pickaxe and all Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could rate, review, and subscribe, five stars, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, that would be awesome. That would be great. Uh, we are very close. We are very, very close. Uh, when I come back to you guys next week, we will be two weeks away from Media Day and being able to speak to Michael Malone, Tim Connolly, Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter. They probably won't make Jamal Murray available, but they'll make all these other guys available. And we'll get to speak to them for the first time since they, um, since the end of last year after being swept. So, going to be an interesting time, going to be fun to talk to these guys to reconnect. But first, let us get into these big annoyances. These are the things that, if they happen, it's going to make a title run really difficult. These are the things that if you're a Nuggets fan, you want to try to avoid. They're likely to happen, or at least a couple of them are likely to happen at some point throughout the year because teams that avoid all of these things, they are a dime a dozen. They very, very, uh, (laughs) they're unlikely to happen is what I will say. But here's something that is probably going to be a big deal. Number six overall. The backcourt doesn't step up offensively with Jamal Murray out. And if this happens, it's not surprising. Think about who's in Denver's backcourt. You've got Will Barton, Monte Morris, P.J. Dozier, 
Faku Campazzo, Austin Rivers, who's back on a minimum deal, and Bones Highland, a rookie. This is a team, and this is a kind of a backcourt group that at one point they were pretty strong. At one point, when you have Jamal Murray in there, when you have Gary Harrison there, it looks a little bit different. Now there's some uncertainty. Now with Will Barton, you have a solid starting shooting guard who, when he's healthy, is pretty good. But sometimes he's not healthy. And sometimes the wear and tear and the injuries can really debilitate him. And if he doesn't step up and kind of become that third option that Denver needs, as Michael Porter steps into the number two spot, if Barton can't step up, then it's going to put a lot of pressure on the rest of the team too. Monte Morris, the likely starting point guard in place of Jamal Murray, he's going to have to bump up his scoring. If he doesn't bump up his scoring, I don't know where Denver's going to get it from. If you get 25, 26 points from Jokic, if you get, let's say, a conservative 22 to 23 from Porter, then that is about 47 to 50 points per game. It's pretty good if they're healthy all the time. You got Barton. He might be healthy some of the time. He probably won't be healthy for the entire season. Or would you want to play him the entire season? You want to make sure he's ready and healthy for the playoffs, which means that your young replacement point guard in Monte Morris, who uh, he's in his prime now, he's definitely in his prime and is going to be a guy that is asked to carry a heavier load at 26 years old. If he can't step up and average more than the 10 points, 9 points that he's been averaging over these past two years, kind of as a primary bench point guard and spot starter, then it's going to be tough. You're going to need him to be more impactful. Get up over 12, 13, 14 points per game. It'll be better for Denver. And then behind those two guys, it puts more pressure on the bench. Faku Campazzo is going to be the point guard in all likelihood, off the bench for this team. He was the third string at times, especially when he struggled earlier in the year. Denver had other options to kind of bridge the gap. They don't have those options this time around. They have P.J. Dozier, who, despite how much faith I have in him, could definitely falter at various points, could definitely be in some trouble. And if that's the case, then Denver's going to be up a creek because Dozier one of their only defensive guys. If he can't score, if he can't stay on the floor, that's a problem. Austin Rivers, you know what you're probably going to get from him. Is that going to be enough if some of those other guys are out? Or if, I don't know, if, if Dodger's having a bad month, can you get Rivers to step up in his place? I think in the regular season, you can. In the playoffs, you might get one game. Other than that, it's going to be tough. And then Bones Highland, asking a rookie to do anything is borderline insanity at the playoff level. And that's okay. Not all these guys are asked to do that. And and the Nuggets drafted the 19-year-old Bones Highland, 20-year-old now, I'm pretty sure. Uh, They drafted him for the future, not for the present. That's just the truth. So if they can't step up offensively without Jamal Murray, It just puts more pressure back on Jokic and Porter. They have to play every game. They have to be effective. They have to be efficient all the time. And if you're not, 
then you're going to lose games. Number seven, the Nuggets hemorrhage points when Jokic sits. And this is another thing that if the offense doesn't step up, then that's a problem. But Denver, because of what they've done in going small off the bench, in all likelihood, the start or the backup four and the backup five are going to be the green duo, Jeff Green, Jamichael Green. Because of that, if Denver can't score with that group, they're going to struggle to get stops. Despite the fact that I like Jeff Green and Jamichael Green as individual defenders, they're built for a small ball unit. And small ball units, by proxy, generally give up more points. They generally score more points. But if Denver can't score more points with that group, then they're not going to reap the benefits of going small. No true backup center is probably fine. But if Denver can't figure out that formula, if Jokic sits and then when he comes back in, Denver's dropped 10 points pretty much every time, Denver's always going to need to stagger their stars. They're going to need Michael Porter to be out there more. When Jamal Murray returns, they'll probably need Jamal Murray to be out there with the bench unit. And putting more pressure on those guys to either play heavier minutes or play minutes that don't include Nikola Jokic. It just weakens the entire product. So you want everything to work as much as possible. And the more cracks that set in, the more difficult it's going to be long term. One of the reasons why the Phoenix Suns were so good this past year is because of campaign of all people. Dario Saric, of all people. Those two, along with Cam Johnson, sort of bookended the Phoenix Suns bench. It allowed them to sometimes not play Chris Paul or Devin Booker a ton of minutes. Sometimes not play Mikhail Bridges 36 a night or DeAndre Ayton 40 minutes. When those guys stepped up, it was the best thing for Phoenix's health long term because they were able to figure out how to make all 48 minutes effective. If Denver can't do that, then they're going to be in trouble. Number eight. The young guys can't get on the floor. Michael Malone is always known and is always sort of like his reputation is always that he is going to play the veterans. He's earned that reputation. He has had moments where he has played young guys over older players. Most of the time, it's because they've deserved it. He committed to Gary Harris. That was one of the first things that he did. It was the very first thing he did when he got to Denver. When Jokic got into town, he was playing Jokic and Nurkic, and those were two very young, very inexperienced centers. He committed to Jamal Murray very early in his career as well. And for all the discussion about Michael Porter, he committed to him too. So there is a lot of, I think, posturing by fans when it comes to Michael Malone playing young guys and not playing young guys. But what I will say is that on the bench, it is really, really important that if you have instability in your starting unit with younger guys, like like Michael Porter, for example, if you don't know what you're going to get from him, then you're going to want to know what you get from your bench. And that's why Denver brought back Austin Rivers. That's why they're going to have Faku Campazo as the backup point guard. That's why they brought in Jeff Green, 
That's why they re-signed Jamichael Green. All of those guys are older. All of those guys have been around the block. They know how to play. They know how to defend. And they're going to be stable for Malone. However, you also would prefer if the young guys were able to get some opportunities throughout the year. Because really what this team is trying to do, they are trying to become sustainable. If they aren't sustainable, then that's when you get super pricey. That's when you bring back veterans and make sure to pay players because you know that nobody else can give you what they are giving you. It's what makes the Spurs and what has made the Spurs for so long such a good organization. They were able to know when to cut ties with their sixth man, uh, not Manu, but or like their eighth man or their fourth starter or whoever. They knew that they had the foundation in place, that they never had to overpay for players. Uh, Gary Neal is an example. Dwayne Dedman, another example. Uh, who is the guy that went to Orlando? Jonathan Simmons back in the day. Everybody ridiculed the, the Spurs for not paying Jonathan Simmons when he got three years, 18 million, whatever. The Spurs mentality was that they'll just find the next Jonathan Simmons. And they did. They definitely did. Denver, they can do that. But the best way to do so is to have young guys with cheaper contracts be the players that step up around the stars, the guys that are being paid a bunch of money. Zeke Naji, Bull Bull, Vlako Chanchar, Bones Highland. If those guys are the ones that step up, it is great for the Nuggets organization. Great. Right now, Denver's not counting on any of them, really. Why do you think they brought in Jeff Green and re-signed Jamichael Green? It's because they don't know whether they're going to be playing with an actual center. And Zeke Naji, Bobol, they're not actual centers, but they are bigger than Jamichael Green and Jeff Green. So they could have a role. They could definitely have a role. If they don't, if they never figure it out, then I would definitely invite Denver to try to go get Marcus Gasol as quickly as possible. If they got him, this would be kind of a moot point. Be that as it may, in all likelihood, they are going to be reliant on the young guys in some way, shape, or form. There's going to come a time where you want them to play. And if they can't step up, if it's always going to be a veteran that needs to do the lifting, then Denver's going to stagnate, plain and simple. Number nine, two more here. The general injury bug. That is always a problem for various teams. Denver last year, they had various times where it was, it was more serious for them when Jamal Murray went down, but... When Will Barton went down, when P.J. Dozier went down, when Monte Morris went down, that was a really, really big problem. And Michael Porter had COVID earlier in the year. Jamichael Green was out for a segment of time. It just became difficult for Denver throughout the year to develop the chemistry, to play with all of the players that they wanted in their rotation. They didn't have that, and because of that, because of the limited amount of time that they had, a lot of people don't really respect them. A lot of people would prefer to just discount them. It's not always a barrier 
because if you can get healthy from the injury bug by the time the playoffs roll around, the most important thing is that you're present. The most important thing is that if you actually had the championship foundation, if all of your pieces are there, you should be able to make it work. But it ruins chemistry. It ruins seeding. It might not be whole at the right time if you miss the wrong player on the wrong day. Or if you get a, just a, a minor injury in the playoffs that just prevents you from being able to suit up. That's a big issue. So Denver, they're just going to have to get lucky. They're going to have to figure it out. And final one here. This will be perhaps the most devastating. If it all came together, if you got Murray back, if you had players step up in the meantime, if Denver's defense sort of figured it out, if you avoided the injury bug, if you avoided long-term injuries to other players, if Porter steps up, if Jokic has a repeat MVP performance, and things are going great, it all comes together, and then you get to the playoffs, and there's just a series where you just can't get over the hump and things just fall apart. That would be devastating, because you were working for everything. Everything was, you were figuring it out, and the formula just simply wasn't enough. That would suck. That would be really, really devastating. Because if Denver faltered to a team that's better than them, it would be awful, but it, it would almost be understandable. Because if you if you run up against a team, like let's say it's the Lakers, and they, they make a midseason trade, they figure it out, they've still got LeBron, AD, Russell Westbrook sort of figures out how to make that work too. If you add to that group... And everybody's picking the Lakers, and the Lakers, they just look like the better team. And Denver puts up a great fight, but they just can't do it. That's understandable. If you get to the NBA Finals, and you face the Brooklyn Nets, and you just can't stop Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, whoever. If you just can't stop that group, it's understandable too. You would need to rethink your plan. You would need to find a way to match that ultimate ceiling. But at least you knew you gave your best effort. They'll be fine. What would really suck is if the plan comes together and then comes apart to a team that's worse than you or on your same level where you feel like you definitely could have won and the team that you lost to didn't deserve it. This is the Philadelphia 76ers dilemma, because they were a better team than the Atlanta Hawks. They had more talent than the Atlanta Hawks. They had the best player in the series, or else they like to say so. But things just didn't work. Things just didn't come together. And then you need to rethink everything. It's not just the plan. It's the what are we doing here moment. It's the, is this foundation good enough moment? Because if that happens, that's when either heads roll, big changes happen, or something major is altered. Or you just don't do anything and assume that it's wrong, and then the same thing happens the next year. And then you're just insane. You're doing the same thing over and over. That would be worse.
knowing that you were there, knowing that you had it all together, and then it just slips through. That'd be bad. But hey, these are pitfalls. These aren't what's going to happen. These are potential plot points in the ultimate story that is Denver's title dreams. That is what's going to happen in the Nicole Jokic era, in the Jamal Murray era, in the Michael Malone era, in the Michael Porter Jr. era. This is all a part of that big story. And it's a great story. Let's be real. This has been a really, really great time to cover the Nuggets. It's been painful at times. Watching Jamal Murray go down was like agony. It was awful. But if you're a Nuggets fan, you still have to remain excited because you know, you tasted that one little bit of bliss that was the after the trade deadline period with Aaron Gordon, with Jamal Murray, with everybody healthy. There was that one little moment. If you could go back to it and recreate it and do so for an entire season, there is no reason to think why Denver can't get this done. Even if one of these pitfalls happens, even if they have to fight through some struggles here or there, it's probably not going to be perfect. You're not going to have a Phoenix Suns run where everything goes right to the point that it's kind of insane. If you're the Nuggets, you're going to have to go through trials and tribulations. But if you come out of it on the other side, you're working with something special. That'll be it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. We will be back on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, most of the time, next week, most likely. And we'll be visiting with other commentators and other analysts and, and podcast hosts to discuss the other teams around the NBA. Eastern Conference, Western Conference, contenders, pretenders. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you guys next week. 